Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Well, this week I wanted to focus on uh, a topic that's been kind of just banging around, hanging around, um, just very, very prominent for a number of reasons. And that's what I call the three F's of uh, property uh, profit, if you like. I want to share some of my own property philosophy which I'm summarizing as the three Fs. And there's three Fs I'm going to walk you through, and there's one bonus one, if I remember, to include at the end. But let's just let's just tell you what the three Fs are right now. And this is really all about profiting through property. It's about uh, generating a profit or a revenue stream through property, investing primarily, but including development. And so the three Fs, the first one, in fact, they're all forcing something in my mind. That's my philosophy, to force something to happen. Uh, in this context. The first one is to force the discount. And if I just say that the average discount achieved from a property listing price uh, on one of the portals, for example, or with estate agents, is um, is 3.9% across the UK, according to Zoopla. So just under 4%, in other words. So if you can beat the 4% discount from the listing price, then you're forcing the discount over and above the average. The second F is to force the appreciation. And according to the ONS, the, uh, I was going to say, Office of National Statistics, I couldn't remember what it was for a second, um, um, average uh, house price growth has uh, has gone up 3.4% in the year to June, which is the last time figures were available at the time I recorded this. So 3.4%. So if we can force the appreciation, i.e. add value to a property, to get over and beyond a 3.4% increase in a 12-month period, then we are beating the average to force the appreciation. And notice I'm saying forcing the appreciation there. I'll come back to other types of appreciation later. And the third F is to force the yield. And uh, Housey did a report or commissioned a report recently that talked about the average yield across the UK being 3.6%. Actually, that was quite surprising to me. It's gone down really. Over, over recent years, let's say. That's obviously a pure average across the country. So there will be some parts of the country where it's lower and some where it's higher than that. But of course, it stands to reason if you can achieve a higher yield than this average, then you're forcing the yield. And uh, this is um, actually, just to elaborate, it's a topic I'm, I'm sharing for YPN magazine in the next issue. So in that magazine, I actually go into a lot more detail. So I'm just going to give you some headlines today. But if you if you look out for the magazine, if you're a subscriber, I give some examples about the impact of just going a little bit beyond um, the average in, in each of those areas. We've got just under 4% for, for discount, 3.4% for uh, average house price grow, uh, growth in a year, and 3.6% as an average yield. So if we just do a little bit better, and I, I talk about it's uh, pieces of a pie, effectively. So imagine those three pieces of pie, discount, appreciation, and yield. And if we can just expand each piece a little bit, we'll actually get a bigger pie, basically. So, um, and what I tend to look for is at least one, if not two or three, of those three Fs in any property deal that I do. And I can't resist it. I'm going to have to tell you now what the bonus one is. 
And that's really, um, it's one I don't necessarily believe. Well, I believe in it. I believe in it because the facts are there. But it's not one I rely upon. And the reason I don't rely upon it is I can't force it. So the three Fs are things I can force. In other words, they're kind of within my control. Um, the fourth one, the bonus one, is, uh, is natural capital appreciation. And if you look at long-term house price growth, they tend to go up on average. Now, they don't always go up. Sometimes they go down. Of course, you know, during the financial crisis, uh, about a decade ago, they went down. You know, it, during the, uh, you know, Brexit, uh, Russian, um, irrational period, etc., and during COVID-19, they perhaps went down. Or um, they softened, at least. So there's no guarantees, in other words. And therefore, I can't force it. I can't make it happen. I can't control it. So, um, but is, there's no doubt about it. If you hang on to an asset, a property asset for long enough, you're probably going to get some capital appreciation. It's just that you can't really bank on it. You can't really uh, work your numbers around it. And yet it is there. And if you look back, you'll see some natural capital appreciation, which is always good, of course. So let's just talk about some examples um, for some of the headlines, if you like, just to give you a flavor of, of how to do these things. For the first one, of course, is forcing the discount. And um, the first thing to say with forcing the discount is basically, if you don't ask, you don't get. <laughs> so ask. Ask for a discount. Always ask for a discount. Um, I must admit, I was a bit taken aback by someone asking me for a discount the other day. But then I thought about it. I thought, well, I'm saying ask for a discount, so why don't they ask for a discount? But within reason. And um, also recognize when you've got something of value, perhaps, when you're buying. But um, ask for a discount. And of course, you know, 3.9%. If you ask for a bit more discount than that then you're beating the average. The second one is if you're effectively filtering. So here what I'm talking about is uh, perhaps on the property portals to filter out some of the easier targets. Imagine you've got a sieve and you're just sifting through the opportunities and you're letting all the small pieces drop through the sieve and all those sort of larger nuggets are just sat there waiting for you to to go after. So that's sieving or uh, filtering rather uh, for the easier targets. So some examples could be properties that have been stuck on the market for a period of time. Uh, it could be a property that's maybe good, just got one photograph or not many photographs or only external photographs. Um, maybe it's got a fixable problem that's been identified in the listing or you get to hear about it. Um, or maybe there's been some price drops, um, either you know big price drops or frequent price drops uh, or indeed collapsed sales because probably around one in three of all um, properties that are agreed to sell don't actually sell. So they're the filtering uh, targets of, uh, and they, and, and you know, it doesn't mean you'll get a discount just because of those uh, filters, but there might be more of a, an opportunity, let's say, to seek a discount in that situation because perhaps the motivation of the seller has changed as a result. And then the third area under the forcing the discount category is circumstances. And that's really where uh, the seller is motivated um, perhaps because of one of the three Ds of death, debt, or divorce. Um, but of course, I'm not talking about ambulance chasing here. Um, it just might be a clue to their circumstances. Maybe they need to move quickly, for example, um, you know, need the money fast. So that might just lead naturally to them accepting a discount. But act with uh, great ethics, of course, in this particular area and try and achieve a win-win outcome is what I suggest. So they're the three top tips, if you like, with forcing the discount. And next we have forcing the appreciation. So here we're talking about um, a few different, you know, forcing the appreciation really is to try and grow the value of the property over and above what it would do under normal circumstances if you did nothing to it. 
So you might get natural capital appreciation if house prices are going up, uh, subject to what I said about uh, you know, speculation around capital, uh, capital growth, capital appreciation. But forcing the appreciation is where, where we really are doing something ourselves to, to make that happen. So the first one I wanted to talk about is develop. Now, um, develop perhaps with a small D or even a big D. So you don't have to be a developer to develop property, but you can uh, add improvement works. You can refurbish a property, you could extend, you could convert, or indeed, obviously, new build. So develop is one uh, way in which we can force the appreciation. Another way is uh, through planning, uh, planning uplift. So we can add value to a property by changing its use. Uh, remodeling and offering uh, additional space or more units through the planning process or permitted de development rights. And the third category I just wanted to mention here under the category of uh, forcing appreciation was paperwork. Now that's probably doesn't always occur to people but we can sometimes add value just by pushing paper around. So think of a lease extension or gaining a share of a freehold for example. Perhaps we could fix a title issue we could gain retrospective planning approvals and certificates. We could put insurances in place where there's gaps in, in certain certificates or, or title issues as well. So we give protection and therefore we add value, therefore we force the appreciation. So there's three, develop planning and paperwork. And the third category, of course, is forcing the yield. Uh, I say, of course, might not occur to you, but well, I've mentioned it already, haven't I? So forcing the yield. Uh, and that's obviously trying to um, get a higher yield on our property than you know, other averages in the area. And if that area is the first one so to, to think about here. So target areas with higher average yields to begin with. Uh, obviously, if we've got the, the average yield in the UK at something like 3.6%, then it makes sense to target an area that perhaps has got a higher yield than that. And I do always talk about what I call the Goldilocks principle here, of finding an area that's just right. Um, so the yield is not too high and not too low. Um, so we, we don't want it too low that we don't really generate the income that we need off the property. And we don't necessarily look for it to be too high either. Um, in, in particular, with too high, we could be trading off some capital growth potential there. Uh, and, and if it's too low, we could be relying too much on capital growth potential there. And that's why I talk about the Goldilocks principle of uh, targeting an area which is just right. So above average yield and um, has got capital growth potential as well, even though I don't rely on it. And the second one is, uh, is through a, a yield strategy. And we could look at higher yielding strategies. And of course, that could include multi-lets or HMOs, service accommodation. And if you're really brave and you want to get your head around it, certain benefit types of tenants uh, as well could give rise to higher yields too. So that's the second one, the strategy that we adopt. And the third one that people possibly don't think about too much is some kind of premium um, with the property. So what I mean by that? Well, some examples can include um, providing property which is fully furnished. Uh, usually providing a property that's fully furnished will command a premium. You know, we could on occasions offer additional services. This is possibly uh, relevant in HMOs or co-living spaces. So laundry, cleaning, cooking, and those sorts of services could be added as extras and add value to the yield that way. And, and then there's some, you know, maybe not so well thought of. So clever design and uh, premium looking features and finishes can also add to the, the, the image of the property and can command a premium rental. 
So there we go, there's a few tips uh, under forcing the year. We've got area, we've got strategy, and we've got uh, premium, of course. So um, to summarize, we've got the three Fs, we've got forcing the discount, forcing the appreciation, and forcing the yield. And uh, don't forget, of course, we've got the bonus one of capital growth. Now, it was funny actually, because I was I, one of the reasons I decided to share this uh, particular share today was I saw a, a, a post on property tribes and someone there talked about the four ways to make um, generate an income through pro property. And not surprisingly, I'll mention the four that I've talked about now, perhaps in using different language. But the, um, the one that really struck me was the idea that um, uh, on occasion, having a property empty could actually still leave through three ways to profit through property, even if a property is empty and therefore not generating a rental income. Now, it kind of goes against the grain with me completely because, of course, if you can rent it out, you can generate a profit, uh, then again, an income return on your investment. But if, and then I started to think about it, I thought, well, if you force the discount um, above average going in, you force the appreciation by undertaking a, a, a value-adding uh, project on the property, and then it happens to be in a, a naturally rising marketplace, so you get natural capital appreciation, as speculative as that is, as I've been saying, then you, you've still got three pieces of that four-piece pie. I've expanded it now to four pieces. You've still got three pieces of that uh, expanded pie to think about. So I'm not suggesting that we just buy properties and leave them empty because we'll have uh, extra council tax and it's probably not a very good idea to have empty pro properties lying around in terms of our housing crisis that we've got in the UK. But it, it was just a thought, you know, that perhaps if we're going, you know, the times are difficult, it's not necessarily the end of the world. Um, depending on how we structured ourselves. So I thought that was an interesting one to perhaps have, you know, it's not the end of the world to have an empty property. I had one myself actually at the beginning of the year, uh, became empty uh, in February and lo and behold, the lockdown came shortly after that. It was empty. So um, there's nothing I could really do about it actually. So I decided to to sell it in the end. I couldn't really sell it either actually during the lockdown period. But as as it happened, when when the market opened up in uh, in more or less June, I did actually sell it shortly after that. And in fact, um, I was able to bag quite an increase in the capital capital growth as well. So it just proves a point really, doesn't it? So there we go. Hopefully that's helpful. What I call the three Fs of profiting uh, through property. And that's really my uh, philosophy summed up really. And so whenever I talk to people, uh, one of the reasons it's been so prominent at the moment is I've got two separate uh, apprentices groups going on. I've got the, I call it the grown-ups apprentices and then the young apprentices and so there's 10 people I'm talking to regularly at the moment in their one-to-ones and the group calls. And uh, I keep going back to the three Fs. So it's very much top of mind. Uh, I just put it out there. It's very easy to remember, of course, when you summarize it in a way like this with three Fs. So hopefully that's helpful. You probably knew most of that already. Um, maybe you didn't know all of the nuances. And if you want to know a little bit more and some of the examples and perhaps how that pie could be carved up, then maybe look out for the YPN article. And just a quick note on that, by the way, um, if you subscribe to YPN, which is obviously at a subscription cost, then you'll see it in there. Um, but equally, if you just want to get a copy of my uh, articles for YPN magazine, all you need to do is just drop an email, admin at thepropertyvoice.net. Uh, ask Karen if you could go on to the YPN subscriber list. That's my own articles, I stress. I'm not giving away the whole magazine. It's literally just my own content. Uh, I've got a back catalogue there of, uh, I did a summary the other day. I think it's, um, 
I think it's about 85,000 words and, and about 55 articles over about four and a half years from memory. I might have got some of those facts wrong, but there's a lot of content basically. So um, there's plenty there for you to uh, get your teeth into. So just drop a note, ask. Um, there's no strings attached to that. It's literally you get a password to get access to my uh, subscriptions. And there we go. But before I finish today, um, I wanted to come back to this topic of, um, well, I haven't mentioned it yet, but on, the, on Saturday, the 10th of October, it was um, International Mental uh, Health Day or Mental Health Awareness Day, and the, the World Health Organization was sponsoring uh, this type of awareness campaign. Um, to call it mental health or mental well-being, really. Uh, I prefer the term mental well-being because probably when, when, you know, it's a taboo topic, isn't it, mental health? Um, it's, it's something that we don't really talk about. It's something we don't really admit. It's something we don't really know how to talk to other people about um, either. So um, I think it's good to get this awareness out. And, um, you know, it was, it was extremely relevant. I'll, I'll be a little bit vulnerable with you because I was struggling a little bit myself, actually, in, in recent weeks. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I was just feeling down. I was tired. I was lethargic. I was a bit snappy and ratty with people. Um, I was just struggling and I was just kind of procrastinating on a few things. And, you know, I, I just was, I just, yeah, kind of just was in a bit of a funk. And uh, I was really just struggling. And um, I'd put it down to basically stress. Uh, I've got a lot of work on at the moment. I was working too many hours. I think I clocked a few weeks ago. I was doing about 66 hours a week, which is, you know, far too many and it's not really one I wanted and um, actually it wasn't the, the the lifestyle I actually designed for myself when I stepped out and went, went into property full-time as I have done so um, how did I get myself in that place really well it was sheer volume of work and you know also dealing with some issues that have been going on with some of the sites and um, if I talked previously about fourth strands to my property business so there's development service accommodation the rental portfolio and uh, the investor services or the uh, the mentoring that I do, and um, and whilst you know three three of them struggled actually particularly through the pandemic the lockdown period you know some tenants weren't able to pay some properties were empty as I mentioned service accommodation fell off a cliff overnight developments couldn't keep moving uh, and even if even if we couldn't get people on site we couldn't get approvals through planning we couldn't get building control out couldn't get materials to site. There was a whole bunch of stuff there. So there was a lot of, lot of um, you know, negativity, really, problems, challenges or hurdles. And, you know, that language in itself is, uh, is probably not the right language to use, as um, I'm sure you're identifying. So that's one of the ways, by the way, one of the, you, the clues to perhaps we're not in the right place. So what are those clues? Um, well, perhaps we're, we're, we're very tired. Perhaps we're disinterested in things that we normally would enjoy. Perhaps you're a little bit irritable or ill-tempered with people, a bit snappy uh, with people, um, just this low mood, low energy. So these are things that we need to watch out for in ourselves, uh, of course. And you know, managing our mental well-being is a is a personal responsibility, and and it's down to us really to keep it in check. Uh, and so, um, but what I also noticed in my own case is that I kind of let a few things slip. Uh, in recent times that were, you know, just good disciplines to have. And, you know, I was getting up very early in the morning for uh, to have a personal morning routine. And yet I was working as soon as I got up and I just slipped into that routine. And that's one of the reasons why my working hours had increased because I'd given up time that I'd save for myself um, in order to, to have a personal routine, but was actually working instead. 
So, of course, you know, part of the personal routine was some good habits. Here's another clue. So if you've got some good habits, things like practicing gratitude, perhaps practicing mindfulness, focusing on your goals, uh, journaling, those are the sorts of things I was doing. Uh, just reading and getting good input. I, there was no, no danger. I'm always getting good input. But um, I, I, so I had allocated specific time for that, perhaps some affirmations or visualization, uh, perhaps even a little bit of exercise, and we're even combining some of these together. Um, so in a morning routine, I've talked before about the Miracle Morning as a book. That had gone uh, by the wayside. So um, I got a lot of stress because of external factors. Um, I was working really, really hard. Uh, I'd let some habits slip, if you like. And then you look at the what I call the, the health fundamentals. So the health fundamentals are um, uh, sleep. Uh, well, I was getting up early and going to bed late, so I wasn't getting enough of that. Uh, exercise. Well, um, I was kind of hanging in there, but I was very focused on just running and I was running about three times a week and I'd let some of the strength exercise go, strength conditioning go and some of the flexibility side of it go as well. So perhaps wasn't doing as much. It was doing some, but maybe not doing as much. And then you've got diet as well. I thought my diet was actually quite good in fairness. I went pescatarian at the beginning of the year trying to eat plant-based diets as well. Uh, I do wonder whether I have the right balance, but that's something I'm going to check back on now. So, uh, and then you've got your, the old favorite of uh, drinking water. Anyway, so you've got the fundamentals. So just are they in order? Sleep, exercise, diet, drinking water. Um, and, and I think the other thing really is to um, engage with people. Um, now, some of us are introverted, some of us are extroverted. But you know, even the introverts, after a period of time being isolated, can struggle. So eventually, if you go through lockdown or quarantine or isolation or those sort of things, which, by the way, has been very prevalent, of course, over recent times, and it can affect anybody and everybody. Um, so I think, you know, watching for the signs ourselves is, is a good thing to do, and then trying to do something about it. Um, some of the good things, check the fundamentals, the health fundamentals that I talked about, keep some time for ourselves and what's important to us, uh, live by our values, if you like, uh, talk it out. So, you know, it's better out than in, as they say. So try and talk it out, you know, phone a friend, um, and, and just try and talk it out. Just say something and, um, you know, just get it out rather than in. It could be just journaling. You don't have to talk to people, but just get it out of yourself is, uh, is a recommendation, really. Um, so that's a good thing to do. Um, and I think the other, the other things are to, to consider. Oh, so be, being mindful, that's the other thing I was just trying to think about. Um, when I was sort of in my funk, I was very absent-minded. I was very, um, you know, just my mind was wandering. I couldn't focus on certain things uh, that I was doing. And I was absent-minded. So the opposite of being absent-minded is to be present-minded instead. And uh, another word for that is mindfulness. And one of the ways to help with that is meditation. But it's not the only way. We can, we can be mindful. But the idea of being mindful is to focus on the here and now. Uh, and, and some of the um, most common um, mental uh, health issues are depression and anxiety. And so if, we, if we're struggling with depression, we'll perhaps focus on some negativity that's either from the past or is in the current situation that's affecting us, uh, which can lead to thoughts and feelings which are not helpful. And similarly, anxieties normally worry or fear about something that might happen in the future. And I say might, because often it doesn't. So, um, you know, and I think the old saying goes, uh, this too, well, it's not the old saying, I think it's a Buddhist uh, mantra, this too will pass. Just to remember that, you know, we go through seasons in life 
and uh, we go through, you know, spring, but we also go through uh, spring and summer. But we also go through autumn and winter. So uh, we go through seasons. This too will pass. Pass rather. Um, things, you know, usually that someone someone else's cross is is sometimes heavier to carry than our own. Uh, in other words, somebody else's problems are harder than our own. But of course, when we're in amongst it ourselves, we can, we can only see our own problems. So anyway, the first thing is to be aware ourselves and then to try and tackle it in ways I've just talked about. But also look out for one another, I think is the other thing I wanted to talk about because there could be other people around us that are struggling. And, you know, we just need to be a good friend, really. Just show some kindness and some consideration for other people. Ask how people are doing. Or if someone actually, you know, you can see signs that I've talked about in them, perhaps ask them how they're doing. Or, um, you know, just, just be there for them. I mean, we're, no one is a um, is expected to be a care professional, a mental care prof- practitioner, or something. But you know, often just talking to people can help. And of course, if we if we spot there are more serious issues, then someone might need to go and talk to a professional. Of course, um, I'm not ruling that out. So there's a few steps there. So that's quite a long-winded way. I was kind of just going to make a reference uh, to to this idea. But if you consider that, I think from some of the research I I saw, and by the way, I'm going to put a um, a link in the show notes to uh, the, well, the World Health Organization's fact sheets on mental health and mental well-being. Uh, you can, you know, pull that down yourself. But one of the facts that leapt out at me was that one in six people um, were struggling with some kind of mental health or mental well-being issue in the last week. And that's quite a lot. It's like about fifteen percent of the uh, of the population. So you, you know, probably going to know someone who might have been through a difficult time. So, yeah, I think just be aware of that, really, um, making people aware. It can be a bit of a taboo subject. I think um, we're prone to it if we're uh, solopreneurs working in, in, in our silos. Um, and, of course, you know, in these difficult times of perhaps uh, being locked up, <laughs> locked down, unable to do things, it could be even more pronounced than usual, of course, at this particular point. So watch out for ourselves. Uh, look out for others. Um, watch for the signs and then try and do something about it. We, we ourselves are responsible for our uh, mental well-being. Um, it's absolutely essential for us to function and to survive and thrive in life, um, to have good mental well-being as well as physical well-being, emotional balance. These things are essentials you know, to make sure that we, we can carry on doing what we want to be doing for ourselves, for our families, for our communities. So, um, yep, there we go. There's my big up for the uh, Mental Health Awareness Week. Somewhat belated, obviously, Mental um, Health Awareness Day was the was Saturday the 10th of October, but this is the closest podcast recording I had to that. So hopefully that's got the message out. Um, hopefully, you know, you might have been aware already, but hopefully it helps in some way, whether it helps you or helps you to help someone else. Well, there we go. Um, on <laughs> a bit of a different finish today, but um, it is relevant. Trust me, it's extremely relevant. Well, there we go. So the show notes are going to be over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net, including a link to that download that I mentioned. Uh, don't forget, if you want to get a copy of um, the article, that's uh, the 3Fs article, or indeed any of the YPN articles that are right, admin at thepropertyvoice.net is where you're going to find out uh, more about that. Um, or you can always drop me an email if you want to talk about anything from today's show uh, or anything about property for that matter. I'm more than willing to, to have a bit of a natter or an exchange of emails perhaps. So uh, without further ado, I just want to say thanks very much for joining me once again this week. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao. 
thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.